Welcome to another episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and friends. Here is my friend, Michelle Woods. Michelle, welcome back to episode three. Yeah, we are just trucking along, aren't we? We're, we're finding our groove. We're not a rut. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we going to talk about today? All right, we've got a good list, an interesting list. We are going to talk about church bells and ice cream trucks. Six questions that you ask every audience you speak to, splitting dimes, and a conversation with one of your heroes. Yay. Let's dive right in. <laughs> These, I'm just looking at this list thinking, I feel confusion. Over, over several of these possibly tie in together. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So let me start by telling you one of my favorite jokes that my dad actually sent me about 15 years ago saying, Hey baby, can you use this? It was like, Oh, Oh yes, I can dad. Yes, I can. <laughs> so this elderly woman calls her granddaughter up one day and says honey can you come and be with me your granddaddy just died can you hold my hand until the until the funeral home ambulance gets here and so of course the granddaughter just goes flying over and is sitting there on the couch and comforting her grandmother and she says granny i just have to ask you what was papa doing when he died and she oh, said no. She said, well, honey, we were making love. And she said, grandma, at your age, didn't you know that would send him into the heart attack zone? And she said, oh, no, honey, we've been making love every Sunday morning to the rhythm of the church bells, in with the ding, out with the dong. He'd probably still be alive if the ice cream truck hadn't come by. That just sent grandpa right home. <laughs> it was but too much. Before he got Aww. his Klondike bar. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Peppa. <laughs> but I've always said that that's how I want to go out. If I can go out. <laughs> wouldn't that be great? Going in with the ding and out with the dong and making love to my husband on a Sunday morning. That Wouldn't that just be the, a great last are a great way to spend your last few moments on earth with a Klondike bar in your hand. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Sex first and yep. then the Klondike bar and then food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's talk today about this whole theological foundation that I want to make sure that our listeners know that we have, because I do not want people thinking that we're just a couple of hoochie mamas, that we're just a couple <laughs> of slut puppies, a couple of whore dogs, uh, you know, <laughs> I could but go are on we those. Are we those? <laughs> if the shoe fits, is that what you're saying? myself right now. <laughs> now, I don't want people to think that we're just going off on some wild sexual tangent without right. a really strong theological foundation, the foundation. that propels us in that sure. direction. Because people think that sexuality and spirituality should be completely divorced from one another. Separate. Yeah, just totally compartmentalized. And I say nothing could be further from the truth because we forget that Jesus was a sexual being. Right. I didn't say sexually active. I just said he was a sexual being. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask the six questions that I ask every audience just to kind of couch this conversation as we begin. So here we go, Michelle. The first question is, was Jesus tempted sexually? What do you think? I would say yes. The Bible says yes. Exactly. Do you remember where it says 
that he's Why do you got to ask how? me that in public? <laughs> Jeez, Shannon. I, I don't mean like exact page or scripture <laughs> reference. I just page mean, do you remember the, the general words? No. Yeah, it's Hebrews 4, I believe 15 and 16. Don't quote me on that one. But okay. uh, it says Jesus himself was tempted in every way, but was without sin. Right. And so, every way would it, include sexually. Exactly. There's no asterisk that says every way except for sexually because he wasn't one of those kind of guys. No, he was tempted in every way. Isn't that weird though, kind of? Like just thinking about Jesus. Well, it needs to get unweird. No, I know. I'm just, you know what I'm saying though? I, it, I know. It is a weird thought. It, it, it doesn't land on our ears quite right because right. we assume that sex is bad. Yes. Because that's the lens that we look through. Mm -hmm. But if we look through the lens of sex is good, we can accept that Jesus was a sexual being. Right. That's going to come out here in a minute with a question further down, but let me go okay. one step at a time. So okay. did Jesus have sexual thoughts and feelings? Well, I would say feelings. Yes. Thoughts. Yes. Because thoughts are not a sin. Right. Exactly. I'm just like, I'm like saying this out loud, thinking out loud. Yeah. So did I get the right answer? You did. You absolutely <laughs> did. Ding, 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 Perfect. ding. Do you, do you want a little, Perfect. do you want church bells every time? Ding, 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 ding. Yes. <laughs> Ice cream help? truck bells. <laughs> That's more so, my speed. Yes. What is the nature of temptation? It's that we have a thought that produces a feeling. Right. But we don't necessarily act on it. Right. Okay. So we can declare that if Jesus was tempted, then yeah, Jesus had thoughts that produced feelings. He just harnessed that energy and took, you right. know, took those thoughts and made them obedient to himself, made them obedient right. to Christ. <laughs> to Christ. Yeah, yeah, it made them obedient to God. The next question is, are sexual thoughts and feelings sinful? No. I think like you just said, it's, it's not that we won't have thoughts or feelings. It's what happens after that. You know, what's the next step? Does it stop there? Exactly. And I think Martin Luther said it best. He said, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you mm -hmm. can keep him from building a nest there. Yeah, that's and I awesome. I completely agree with that. And so, yeah, sexual thoughts, sexual feelings, none of that is sin. Sexual thoughts that produce feelings that may even create a temptation aren't sin unless you act on them or unless you obsess over them to the point that right. it's driving you to act on them. Like we can envision where that threshold is. Sure. But now a lot of people will say, oh, but sexual thoughts and feelings about anyone who's not already your spouse your is spouse. sin. Right. But I got challenged with this question by the person. I'm going to tell you about the person who introduced me to these questions in just a second. Um, I got challenged by that with the question, okay, well, then who was Jesus's spouse? Oh, yeah. He was not married. <laughs> exactly. There was no Mrs. Jesus. Exactly. And okay. so it's like, yeah, are we making too big of a deal of all of that? Are we, are we shutting ourselves down before we can even get warmed up? Because we assume yeah. that sexual thoughts and feelings are sin. Shouldn't go there. God's going to judge me. Won't right. let my brain engage in those thoughts. Well, then good luck getting yourself aroused. So anyway, we're getting sidetracked. So let me ask this question. Which came first, the fall of man or sexual intimacy? Do you remember Genesis 2? I feel stumped. That's okay. Is this a trick question? No, it's, it's absolutely not a trick question. There is a chronological order to this. Well, would it be, okay, the fall of man or sexual? Intimacy. Intimacy. Which came first? Fall of man? Mm -mm. Sexual intimacy? Exactly. 
God created go. Adam. He created Eve. He declared it not just good, but very good. Very good. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. And multiply. Increase yeah. in number, fill the earth, subdue it. Yeah. So sexual oh, intimacy. Oh, yeah. Sexual, well, that's true. Yeah. Sexual intimacy was created and celebrated before the fall of man ever happened. So there's nothing innately sinful about our sexuality. It was breathed into Adam. It was breathed into Eve and they breathed into each other. And, <laughs> you know, and, and so there's nothing sinful about sexuality. Right. And, and that's why I want to declare that us doing this podcast and having all these conversations, we're, we are not sinning. We're not we being not, bad girls. We're not being bad girls. We're being okay. really good girls. I just um, feel like that last one was a trick question. I mean, think? I had to, I had to think hard on it. <laughs> okay. Well then let me give you two easy ones then. Okay. All right. So, if Jesus was tempted sexually, and we know that Jesus had sexual thoughts and feelings, and that sexual thoughts and feelings aren't sin, and that sexual intimacy was created before the fall of man ever even happened, mm -hmm. is it possible for couples to enjoy a vibrant sex life with no guilt, no shame, and no inhibition? Absolutely. Ding, ding, that, ding. That's an easy answer right <laughs> exactly. there. Exactly. <laughs> and then the last question is, is it possible for Christians to talk openly and honestly about all things sexual without guilt, without shame, without inhibition. It absolutely should be possible. It, exactly. And, and can be. And that is why we're doing this podcast. If Christians can't talk openly and honestly about sexuality, then who in the world has the right to? But again, you don't have to be Christian to glean a lot from our show. But let me just tell you, the person who introduced those six questions to me was Dr. David Lawson. He was my human sexuality professor at Liberty University almost 20 years ago. Oh, wow. And I had just written every woman's battle and every young woman's battle. Mm -hmm. And I go into his human and sexuality class thinking that I know it all. Cause I'm already a published <laughs> author on these topics and I'm right. like a whopping 34 years old. <laughs> and he challenged us with these questions and we were totally blown away at how long we could chew on these concepts and discuss it together as a group. And it really just created a lot of paradigm shifts in my own head which isn't that why you go to college to work on a master's degree right. to just develop yep. new insights and new perspectives. And so I credit Dr. David Lawson with so much of the perspective that I have developed over the past 27 years of ministry. And so I have invited him to join us for this conversation. Okay, good. Just a moment. But let me just offer one final little thing. So I was thinking about the expression that I frequently use about how sexuality and spirituality are two sides of the same coin. And in preparation for the show today, I just kind of had this thought that, you know what, if you had the right laser equipment, you actually could split a coin in half, right? Right. You, you could, you could split a dime. Let's, yep. just, let's just go with a dime. Okay. Like Danny DeVito says, <laughs> the one flew over the cuckoo's eggs. I bet a dime. Let's, let's talk about dimes. You can split a dime in half, the heads being one half and the tail being the other half. But would it hold any value anymore? No. It holds value when the two are fused together. together. Right? Yep. And in my opinion, this is just my humble opinion. This is just about my own sexual journey. My perspective is that my sexuality holds so much more value when it's married and fused with my spirituality mm -hmm. and that the flip side is true. My spirituality is so much richer and so much deeper when I fully live out my sexuality, when right. I 
am a sexually confident wife and when I'm fully blossomed in bed with no guilt, no shame, no inhibition. Isn't that a cool concept? I know. No, I love that. And it's so true. And so many of us miss the boat and don't experience the two married together. Yeah. And so let's take a call. Let's phone a friend. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Since we are sexual confidence on tap with Shannon Etheridge (laughs) and friends. We love calls and friends. Let's bring our friend, Dr. David Lawson on. All right. Imagine four days on a beach in paradise with three experts in sexual connection, helping the two of you become one sexually confident couple. Yeah, it is possible. Join Shannon Etheridge and friends at Naya Resort and Spa in Placencia, Belize for the Sexually Confident Couple Workshop coming up May 24th through 27th or May 27th through 30th, 2020. Register today at shannonetheridge.com by clicking on the workshops link. Space is incredibly limited, so don't miss this Sexually Confident Couple Workshop. It's truly going to be unbelievable. So, Michelle, I thought that because Dr. David Lawson has been such a key player in my paradigm yeah. shift over the past 30 years about all right. things sexual, it would be a great thing to have him as our next friend on the show. Oh, is he here? He, he actually just <laughs> arrived, so I want you to welcome Dr. David Lawson. Uh, David, uh, I know that you continue to teach human sexuality now at Palm Beach Atlantic yeah. University in Florida, correct? Yeah. Yes, I do. Yes. And that you have also been a pastor for many years of your career. That is correct. I've actually been a pastor. I've been a sex teacher and a pastor. How about that? (laughs) There you go. And you are the third personality that's going to be on the beach with us in Belize leading the Sexually Confident Couple Workshop. Well, I hope my other two personalities are okay also. So they're, they're, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a really good one. <laughs> so what I would love to hear you talk about with us is your experience as a human sexuality educator and yeah. pastor. What are you seeing in Christendom in regards to views about sexuality? Christianity is is the most amazing and crazy place on the face of the earth often and and I think you see it most most clearly in 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 and with sexuality sexuality is one of the areas that when you begin the discussion people either run to the corner of we don't talk about it or and some of that's out of shame some of that's out of guilt some of that's out of their own personal experience but they either run to that corner or they there's a lot of hiddenness and I think particularly in Christianity, the hiddenness of sexuality is probably one of, the, one of the more detrimental pieces to what I see consistently, that people have these feelings, they have these thoughts, they have these experiences, and they feel so ashamed, they feel so bad about them that they, they so much of it's just hidden. And they and, feel like they're alone in it. They feel like they're the only ones. Well, the hiddenness creates that. I mean, you can't hide, not feel, I mean, you know, it's a, you play hide and go seek. One of the crazy things about hide and go seek, you never want anyone else in your spot. So it's like that, that moment of like, you know, that's the essence of hide and go seek. And so as we play hide and go seek with human sexuality, I think one of the things you find very quickly is everyone is hiding in their own spot. They feel very lonely. They feel very, they feel very scared. They feel very ashamed. And I think that's a lot of what we tend to see currently in, in the church. And, 
And I think it's, it's, it fills our, our, if you say pews or chairs or whatever, but it's, it's almost palpable when you begin the process of unpacking sexuality with people in the church, that this starts coming out and uh, only in private actually do do you see anything different like if you talk privately to people they may actually share some of their pain right and i know that you get to talk with those kinds of clients and students and parishioners yeah, yeah. what are some of the what are some of the horror stories that you've actually heard that's a direct result of people just assuming that god hates sex and because yeah. i have sexual feelings god must hate me too i feel like that's kind of the gist of how people yeah. feel yeah, I no, I would agree. I think I think a lot of people come into the the essence of sexuality with that as a foundation, you know. And and I think on top of it, you get this you get this whole mindset in Christianity somehow that once you've gotten the the marriage certificate, sex is good. So everything up until the marriage certificate, somehow you get this diploma, and now you're sexual. Now you can be sexual. Now you can, but everything up until that certificate, you know, is somehow wrong or bad or illegal. And and I think that's caused a lot of additional pain. So for example, the the you know the the purity movement, the the, the there have been so many of these movements in Christianity that have continue to sort of equivocate our general sexuality. So touch, kissing, hugging with the idea that, you know, you're having premarital intercourse or you can't do any of these. You come so close to the edge of sexuality by touching or kissing or, you know, you can't go out on a date unless you have a chaperone that, you know, that, that in essence, you're stuck literally not knowing the other person at all. And so when you go on the honeymoon, what do you get? Well, you get uh, painful intercourse. You get no intercourse. Um, you get people not having sex. And I've got people who, this is the case, not having sex for two, three, four years of their marriage. Because, I can't imagine being wow. in a marriage that is unconsummated for years. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, is, that is a really sad statement in, well, yeah. in our society. You know, it's, it's, sex is so much fun and so exciting and God created, I mean, everything in the universe that breathes procreates, that says something about God. And that has to say something about the essence of who God is. So if it breathes, it actually procreates. So sex and sexuality is somehow in the very heart, the very essence of who God is. And so when we, when we understand that, then, you know, when you, when you understand that sex is good, that God somehow really part of the breath of God into creation and into us is our sexuality, that when we don't experience it, how much more awful is that? That something that God created for us to thoroughly and truly enjoy, and it, it, we can't do it. And, you know, if there is a test, if, if there is something called evil out there, it is it is connected to how warped we have made sex and sexuality. I do believe that. I completely agree. What do you say to the people who say, yeah, but God created sex for procreation, but anything other than that, that that makes them uncomfortable, that the idea of sex strictly for pleasure or strictly for bonding, like they just can't wrap their brain around. They have to make that dirty, cheap, tawdry, <clears throat> nasty, forbidden in their minds in order to go there. Yeah. What's your response to that? Well, I, you know, it, I think it's, it's, it's difficult because so many people 
come from the perspective. So in Christianity, we have some of our early church fathers, St. Augustine, who out of his own sense of shame creates this whole theology around sex is bad. It's inherently bad. There's nothing good about it. It becomes a part of church dogma and, and gets deeply integrated into Western culture, Western society. So things like masturbation, things like any sort of, any sort of touch become deeply questionable because it's pleasurable and pleasurable is bad. And that really goes back to Greek sort of dualistic philosophy where the physical realm is bad, the spiritual realm is all good. And, and you know, as God created, there is creation, this is creation, as God is creating, you know, God's, God does, God, God, you know, says, hey, it's good and it's very good. He doesn't say, well, the sexual part of you is, you know, that's sort of bad or it's not so good. I'm sorry. All of it's good except that one part. It's good. And so there's this moment of recognition of goodness within the context of every part of creation. That is the antithesis of what St. Augustine sort of argues in some of his works. So I think for me, that's, that's the beginning of it. And then you read some of Paul. And Paul struggles, I think, at times with sex and sexuality himself. Yes. And so some of his writings, Very I think, obvious. Yeah, I think that's part of, you know, some people think, honestly believe that the thorn in the flesh that Paul discusses is somehow connected to his sex and sexuality. Not necessarily to his eyes, but his sex and sexuality. So there's something difficult about that that Paul, Paul wrestles with, I think, throughout the course of his life. And so you can read in the Bible, but we often read into it our own fear and our own anxiety. We're, we're, not, <clears throat> we're not extrapolating this information at times as much as we're reading into it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's part of, so I'm already afraid of sexuality and then suddenly the Bible is filled with fear about it. But I mean, at what point is fear supposed to not be a part of our life? It's, you know, true love casts out all fear. You know, it, it, is, it is the antithesis of what we are supposed to live by. So talking a lot there. Yeah, fear, uh, fear creates that tension that actually creates yes. a more bonding experience when we overcome our fears together. That yeah. is a very bonding experience. Yes. Not like only two people jumping out of an airplane together. They're yeah. bonded for life now, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, uh, I think it's the overcoming of it that's the significant part. It's not only the high of the fear, it's also the overcoming. It's the coming down off of it. It's the re realization. And then finding something that's even deeper than fear, which is love. When, and trust. When, when, you know, it is deeply embedded in the New Testament is, you know, <laughs> love covers a multitude of sins. True love casts out all fear. You know, there's this moment where it's like, oh my gosh, love is the foundation. It's the bedrock of what we, how we're motivated, what we move into. And so when you can move out of that, then sex and sexuality, like everything else, it's not nearly as fearful. It's not nearly as something that we, we need to be concerned about. I think physiologically, our brains are hardwired for sex. There is almost no other, there is, and this is sort of weird to think about, but there's almost no other drive within our brain that's stronger than sex. The, the one that's definitely stronger is sleep. You actually have more sleep and food. Well, actually it's toss up, toss up for food. <laughs> so people I work with would actually say it's more than a toss up. I'll choose, I'll choose sex over food any day. Um, <laughs> I was just reading about Augustine earlier this week in, uh, have you heard about Nadia Boltz Weber's new book called Shameless? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And she was unpacking what a sexually repressed creature Augustine was and yet how much of his philosophies has bled over into our era and how yeah. distorted it all is. 
incredibly unfortunate. So David, because you are going to be one of the leaders at the Sexually Confident Couple Workshop, yeah, give us just a taste of like, what is the one main thing that you want couples, whether they're Christian or not? This is definitely a workshop for people of yeah. all faiths or even no faith. It's just, it's really just all about getting more comfortable in your own skin and bonding more yeah. completely and deeply with your mate and experiencing all the pleasure that your body is capable of. What is one of the main takeaways that you expect that couples are going to walk away from that they're going to fly away from Belize with in their yeah. suitcase to take back home? I think, and I hope that what they what they walk away with is the ability to honestly talk about themselves in the relationship both for what they need and what they want and if you can create an environment if you can create a a, a safe space that's you know and and i think belize is the perfect place for this that we can just sort of get into ourselves embodiment that we're just able to sort of be in our bodies be and be real in our bodies with each other that we get to become the couple that we've always imagined that we could. And that's well, awesome. And I would say that the first step for that is we're going to help them get more in touch with who they are because yes. so many times women will say, I don't know what I want. I just know he doesn't yeah. give it to me. It's like, you can't get yeah. mad at him for not giving you something that you don't even know what yeah. it looks like, yeah. feels like, sounds like either. Yeah. So helping people get in touch with themselves and then get in touch with each other. That's yeah. going to be some powerful stuff. Yeah. Oh, it will be amazing. And I think being able to really work on yourself, one of the most interesting things. So in Greece, there's all of these amazing temples and, and you know, there, there are all these amazing places. And so in one of the temples, there's, there used to be these individuals who would predict the future. And, and before you would walk in, there was this brief phrase over it, know thyself. And it, it's a weird phrase. Why would you, when you're trying to get someone to predict your future, why would you need to know yourself? And I think at the end of the day, if you don't know yourself, you don't know anything. You don't even know what the, the prediction of the future means. Because mm -hmm. you're so, the common denominator in all of your experiences in life. If funny. you don't know yourself, then what fun can you actually have in life? Well, you can't. It's going to pretend to be fun, but it may not be fun at all. Yeah. Well, I have one correction for you, David. Yeah. You said that, that the workshop is going to be amazing. Yeah. It's not just going to be amazing. What is it going to be? We saw the signs in the airport when we went down for the, for the road trip or for the field yes. trip. Yes. What is it going to be? I'm going to say it wrong. I'm going to say it gonna wrong. It's going to be unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like, <laughs> is that right? Is that how it's supposed to be? Unbelievable? Is that That's right? it. That's okay, it. it's unbelievable. Hey. Yes. Yeah. Well, I have to say that the impact that you have had on my life, on my mm. marriage, on my family, and on my ministry mm. is unbelievable, Dr. Well, Lawson. You. With thank the you. utmost respect, I say that I declare you in the top three people mm. that I respect their intelligence, I respect their character, I respect their faith, I respect their compassion for humanity. Like you are definitely cream of the crop, in my opinion. I am so honored to have you as one of our first guests on this podcast and to be able to share the the workshop platform with you next May. So y'all don't miss this. You need to sign up soon because we have such limited space. Uh, we only have a, a block of a certain number of rooms and they're about halfway gone. And so I just urge you don't wait until April and think that you're going to get in on it in May. You need to make plans now. So David, thanks for taking the time to connect with us today on Sexual Confidence on Tap.
with Shannon Etherton Friends. I'm so honored to call you my friend. Thank you. As am I. Thanks. <laughs> you bet. Hey, on tap listeners, do you dream about positively impacting people's lives? Maybe you feel like you've got a book in you. you know, do you dream about sharing your story? Would you like to be personally mentored by an award-winning, million-copy, best-selling author with over 25 years of speaking experience? If so, consider joining Shannon Etheridge's BLAST mentoring program. And I love this. BLAST stands for Building Leaders, Authors, Speakers, and Teachers. And through these 12 self-paced online lessons, you'll receive lifetime access to over 40 hours of instructional video, inspiring peer interaction, encouraging monthly calls with Shannon and the BLAST community, and amazing templates to guide your every speaking and writing endeavor, and much more. Go to shannonetheridge.com and click on the professional coaching link for more information and use the code ONTAP for a 20% listener appreciation discount. Why wait? Start this self-paced mentoring program today and bring your speaking and writing dreams to life. I'm Phil Carlson, last graduate, and I approve this message. Let's give them a little foreplay for sure. Yeah. This podcast is produced by Ryan Clark at Touch Media. The podcast and website represent the opinions of Shannon Etheridge and Michelle Woods and their guests to the show. Content here is for informational purposes only. You can get more information at shannonetheridge.com.